Because if we forget our history, if we forget who we are and his story, we lose everything. We can see that in our nation as we have forgotten our history as a God-founded nation. We can see how that begins to crumble. We can just see that nationally, but will we see that in the body of Christ? Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. That sure beats a year ago, doesn't it? Wasn't that awesome to get together and celebrate as well as today? We're back in our sermon series on Who's Your One? Uh, emphasizing that we walk every day one-on-one with God, and out of that walk, it translates into impacting this world by reaching someone who needs to know the one that transforms our life through His grace. We're going to take a history lesson today. We're going to go back in history. Don't you love history? Uh, a lot of you have lived some history. How many, a matter of fact, you remember uh, in the second crowd, I'm going to be able to talk about you guys, talking about their mamas and their grandmas who talked about their days of when they uh, had to wake up. How many of you milk cows before you ever went to school. Any, any cow milkers in the, in the space, right? Uh, that's kind of going back in history. And then, of course, how you got to school. You had to walk in the snow. It snowed every day of your life in your childhood, and it was 12 inches deep, and it was always uphill going and coming home. You were uphill in the snow getting home. We all have our history. Well, so does the gospel, and so does the church. And so we're going to dig in because if we forget our history, If we forget who we are and his story, we lose everything. We can see that in our nation as we have forgotten our history as a God-founded nation. We can see how that begins to crumble. We can just see that nationally. But will we see that in the body of Christ? We will if we don't remember our history. So let's go back in history. Let's go back to the beginning, Acts chapter 2, when Christ births the church. Acts chapter 2, we're in verse 1. You know, it was the day of Pentecost, and it had now come, and they were all together in one place. Jesus had told them, go to that upper room. You're not to do anything until you receive my Holy Spirit. They're there waiting, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, not just some and not just the twelve. Those who were there, those who were seeking God, those who knew him through forgiveness and through surrendering their lives to Christ, they all received the Holy Spirit. And watch what happened. As was prophesied in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, when you receive my spirit, you will be Baptist. Is that what he said? No. You will be my witnesses. And look immediately at how that verse was fulfilled. They all began to speak with other tongues. Now, uh, don't get lost here. A lot of people want to make that some kind of internal thing that happens in a believer's life. I want you to see it was an external thing. That as they were speaking in tongues in that moment, it was to declare the gospel and to be his witnesses. Why in tongues? Because everybody who had gathered for Pentecost had come from all around. They had been scattered to other nations. They were now speaking different languages. And they've all come into their hub of Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and now Pentecost. And so here they are, and they are now hearing witnesses. Look at verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation uh, under heaven. 
And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So we look in on the birthing of the church. We go back in history. We find the very first opportunity, the very first moment as God unleashes his spirit on this earth and the gospels to go forth, he fills his church with his Holy Spirit and with a purpose to declare the gospel to all people everywhere. It just so happened on Pentecost, there were people from all kinds of nations that were there who were under the hearing of the gospel. Look at verse 7. We find that they went from being a prayerful gathering to a bold witnessing people. Verse 7. There they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear them in our own language in which we were born? And then it goes on in verses 8 and following, or verses 9 and following, uh, describing all the different people that were there. There are the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and and Phrygia. It goes on and on, and, and, and we can go through the whole list. And the point is this. There were people of all tribes and tongues who were present. And God had a heart for every person and every nation. And that heart has not changed. And God's purpose for his church has not changed. Let's make sure in this case that history does repeat itself. This history that we look back on is God reaching out through his grace through his church. And we find in verse 11 that they were speaking. And when they were speaking, look at what they were talking about. It wasn't the latest score. It wasn't who was leading the league in Jerusalem. It wasn't about the politics of the day. You know what they were talking about? Look at it. The mighty deeds of God. Being a witness for Christ is very simple. It isn't something you have to go to seminary to master. It isn't a class that you must attend, although we are offering one April 25th to help all of us become even more skilled. But what we do is we simply live our lives among the people. We allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, and as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we simply tell people of what God is doing and what God has done. We speak all the way back to the cross, what he has done, all the way to his resurrection and empty tomb, what he has done, and then we testify to what he's doing in our lives today. It's that simple. If it's that simple, why is history not repeating itself? Let's get back to speaking and having Jesus conversations and sharing with other people what God's doing in our life today. And how God gives us peace, even in a time of quarantine. How God is the one who's ever present, even though we haven't been able to have each other's presence. God is always there. He never shelters away from us. Jesus' conversations. But take a look as they went on, verse 12. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? There was such a powerful filling of the Holy Spirit. There was such an overflowing of the boldness of the Holy Spirit that people were asking, what does this mean? Unfortunately, in America today, most people aren't asking what's going on among us. They don't see anything fresh. They don't see the power of God. They just see us showing up for church on Sunday morning versus seeing the church Monday through Saturday alive in the Spirit And declaring the mighty deeds of God. Our history is one that made a difference. What will our history be? What will be said of this generation? Go to verse 37. 
We find Peter going from denying Christ publicly to preaching Christ publicly now, being bold. And verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? As they were living the truth and declaring the truth, as they saw the real, authentic power of God on display, they wanted what they saw in these others. Does this world want what they see in you and me? Do they want, do they need, they need the Jesus who has saved us. Are they seeing the Jesus who saved us? They saw it in Peter's day and they asked the question, what do we do? How can we have what you have? And that's what we pray for daily. And that's what we hope to see in our history. And what I know is this, that when truth is planted in a person's life, when we share the mighty deeds of God and give glory to God, what I know is this, it leads to a conviction in another person's heart. They couldn't get away from it. They couldn't uh, uh, argue it away. They, they saw the real deal and they wanted it. My prayer is that that's what people will see in me every day. That's what people will see in us as we walk with God one-on-one and as we talk about our God with our one. That's our history So how did they even know that this question needed to be asked? Because God's people were declaring the truth. Because they were addressing the need of their hearts. And that's what we must return to. Go to verse 38. There are answers to be given. They were asking the questions, and the church was given the answers. Let's not let Google be the answer giver in our day. Uh, Let's don't let the internet be the source of perceived truth It only has built chaos. There is only one way, one truth, and one life. And we need to give them the answers they're searching for. So Peter said to them, you need to repent. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the purpose is for you and your children and all who are far off. Notice what Peter was able to speak into their lives is that God has a purpose and a plan and God has forgiveness for you and God has grace for you, for you and for your children and for anyone and all. Notice that and underline it. For all who are far off. When you think about your one, I wonder if we're wrestling with, man, they're, they're too far gone. They're too far off. Man, I just, I don't see it. We've talked about it before. I don't think the church saw Saul of Tarsus ever becoming the Apostle Paul, and yet he did. What excuses are we going to fall under? Or can we understand the declared truth of God here in verse 39, that the gospel is for all people, no matter how close they are to God, or how much they are seeking God, or how much they are not, the gospel is for all people. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself, and with many other words he solemnly testified, and he kept on exhorting he didn't stop with just one conversation he didn't stop with one good sermon he didn't stop with just one big day he kept on that's our history as we learn we'll see that not only peter kept on exhorting but the whole body of christ in jerusalem was going on from person to person and they were declaring be saved from this perverse generation Our history is one of being filled with the Holy Spirit and being his witnesses. May we see history repeat itself 
because we seek the Lord, because we're filled with His Spirit, and because we continually keep on exhorting others to know the God who has changed our life. Look at verse 41. So then, those who had received His words were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine? Glory to God on the highest. And this just didn't happen at the local bar. This happened in the hub of all religion. These were people who thought they were right with God, had a religion, studied about God in the holy book, but never knew him. That could be true for somebody here today or even somebody who's worshiping with us online. That You've grown up around it. You've been in it. You, you have Bible Bibles and even have one on your phone. But do you have Jesus in your story? Has his story changed your history? Has Jesus become real to you, or is it just a part of your religion? On this day, the church was launched, and God chose to do it through the declaration of the gospel through his church, the body of Christ. Not just through the 12 disciples, but for all that were filled that day, and all who had gathered, and they all went out among their people, and they were religious people and non-religious people. There were people throughout the entire city from all nations, all tribes and tongues, and they were all hungry for the truth. So let's fast forward now, go over to Acts chapter 5, flip over there. Daily, people were being added to the faith in the church because the church was being faithful. Seeds were being planted every day. Conversations were being had every day. And as people were talking about the deeds of God, the people who were far from God were coming to God through Christ. We wake up in Acts chapter 5, and you're going to see cancel culture. We didn't create that term. We're living it these days, but it goes all the way back even to the days of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Acts chapter 5, verse 27. The church has been declaring the gospel. Peter and others have been out preaching in the streets and the synagogues, and they were canceled by the religious leaders of their city. They were told, don't you do it or you will be put to death. You will be in prison. It will not go well for your soul. Verse 27. When they had brought them, they stood before the council. The high priest questioned them saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than men. So we look in on this, we see the boldness of a spirit-filled life. We see the commitment of a spirit-filled life. It didn't matter what culture was telling them. It didn't matter what was politically correct. They wanted to be right before a holy God, and they said, we've got to be true to our God. And what were they being true to? Our God said, you will receive my Holy Spirit. And when you receive my Spirit, you will be my witnesses. They had no choice. Their obedience was one-dimensional. It was vertical. It was all on what God wanted for their daily lives. And they said, we cannot stop. We will not stop. And notice in verse 28, they were so faithful to it. Look at their testimony. Look at the history of the early church. Even those who were against them, the opposition, would have to declare, you have filled our whole city with this message. Wow. 
I wonder if people in Oklahoma City would accuse the church of that same indictment. Would we be guilty? Would people say, I don't know what's going on in the churches in our town, but this whole city, all people are talking about is Jesus. Why does that seem foreign when that's God's will for our lives and for our city? Why have we forgotten our history? And what history are we teaching to our children and our grandchildren? They had filled Jerusalem with the gospel, not just part of the city, not just their neighborhood, but they reached out to the entire city and it was spreading like a wildfire. And when they were asked to be silent, they said, there is no way we can be silent. And here's what's crazy. It was outlawed in their day. They didn't have the freedom of religious speech. I know we're starting to lose ground in that area, but we still have freedom of speech in theory. We still have our freedoms. And they did more under persecution and when it was outlawed than we're doing in our freedoms. God forgive us. Verse 30. They couldn't stop sharing his story. That's how you build history. If you take the word history, it's all about his story. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. Now they're preaching history, his story. And that's all you do when you testify to people, when you share your faith. You're not cramming Jesus down somebody's throat. You're simply preaching and declaring what God has done. They were sharing a history lesson. They said, he is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. A lot of people say, well, man, I, I don't know that I can have a Jesus conversation because I don't know all the answers. I, I don't, they have all these arguments and I'm not studied enough and I need to learn apologetics. And I need... Just witness of these things. What things? Jesus' death. Why did he die? To pay for our sin. What do we witness of? What things? We witness that he was buried in a tomb, but three days later he rose from the dead, declaring he is who he said he was, the author and finisher of life, the one who would conquer death in the grave, and the only one who can give us life eternal. We speak of those things and those things alone. Their message was simple. It wasn't a big, long, dramatic sermon and and poetic and, and, and eloquent. It was simple. They just simply witnessed of those simple things of who God was, what He did, and what they could have through Christ. It's that simple. As they declared those things, they declared that the Holy Spirit whom God had given to them was the one that was driving them. And that a holy God had a holy love for them. It was the norm. It was the daily activity of the church. And so, every week, we are praying for at least one person. And if you haven't found your one yet, I'm going to ask you at the end of this service to come up to one of these uh, little areas here. There are all these white ping pong balls. You'll take one out and put the initials of that person on there. And you'll place them over at the crosses that are on each side. And we continue to pray for all of these one by one by one that they might be one, W-O-N,
to Christ. I have a great testimony for you of God honoring Jesus' conversations. Bill Fleming, if you would come. Bill has a great testimony to share with the church this morning. And so I'm going to ask him to share what God's doing with his one. Thank you. I ask our class to pray for me because I can hardly share this without getting Bill, really sorry. emotional. Mike's not on. So we know where Kendrick went. Is that on? It's not on at the board. Hello. Do we know where Kendrick went? We lost our sound guy. That's a bad sign. You might have to, uh, well, just talk loud. Just uh, Hopefully you can hear him from up here. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. Well, hopefully you can hear me. I will try to shout it out very loud and, uh, and make myself heard. A lot of you remember Henry Blackaby from uh, Experiencing God. And Here we one go. quote that he Sorry. made caught he my back. attention. He said, we don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. And sometimes God allows us to be involved in something really special and unique. And there's nothing more special than being involved in seeing someone come to the Lord Jesus Christ. A few months ago, I was involved in a business transaction with a young couple. I met the husband, Harrison, out at the place where we were uh, doing the land transaction. And sometime during the course of my conversation with him, I mentioned that I attended PCBC. That evening, his wife, Samantha, called me, and she said they had been looking for a church to get their children in. Harrison and Samantha have five children, just had a new baby. And... Uh, at that time, we were kind of shut down. Things were going on with COVID, and it, it just wasn't any way to really get them involved in church. But over the course of the next few months, because Samantha handled their business transactions, I had the opportunity to get to know her, and I talked to her often, sometimes two or three or four times a week. And then one afternoon about two months ago, Samantha called me, and there was a question about business, and as I was talking to her, I just sensed that there was something going on in her life. Something was wrong. And so I talked to her some more. And Samantha made this statement to me during that conversation. She said, I really want to get involved in church. I really want to get my kids in church. But there are some things going on in my life I have to take care of and I have to straighten out before I can get back to church. And I said, Samantha, you don't have to do anything to make yourself right with God. God sent his son Jesus to pay for my sin and your sin. And if you will trust him, everything will get taken care of in your life spiritually. And I said, would you like to do that? And Samantha said, you know, Sot, she was really sobbing. I probably, quite honestly, I was too at that point. And she said, yes, I would like to do that. And I said, well, then just pray and ask God to come into your life and tell him what you're feeling and what you're thinking right now. And she said, I don't know how to do that. And I said, would you like for me to pray? And if it's a desire of your heart, you just repeat the words that I say. And she said, yes, I would like to do that. So I got to lead Samantha in the prayer of salvation. Amen. And she trusted Glory. Jesus Christ that God. afternoon. Awesome. Amazing. Amen. And I was thinking that God gave me a rare, unique opportunity. And the reason he gave me that opportunity 
It's because he made me sensitive to a need in someone's life. And we encounter people every single day that have needs in their life, just like Samantha. And we have great opportunities if we'll just be sensitive and aware of them. So I'm praying that God will make me sensitive and aware of all of those opportunities in my life. And Bill, I'm just thankful that I was able to be a part of something God did that was really special. And this is my first one. Come on. Praise and I God. Hope that there's awesome. many more to come. Amen. Good stuff. I'm going to let you put that in the cross. I'm going to ask Bill to put that in one of the vases by the cross at the time of invitation. And uh, we hope that that's the first of many that we'll see come to know Jesus Christ. Very quickly, as we close, go to verse 33 now. Acts chapter 5, verse 33. Just so you don't think that that only happens 2,000 years ago, and that only happens with the apostles and the pastors and the preachers, that is what God did through his church and what God is still doing through his church. Look at verse 33. And when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they intended to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put these men outside for a short time. Now he brings them all together, and he tells the council, uh, these Sadducees that are trying to punish these new Christians, this new cult, so they thought, they want to silence them. And he basically argues with them and says, guys, I've lived a long time on this planet. I, I, I've spent a lot of time watching different religions try to flare up, different movements that begin. And he said, man, if God's in it, you can't stop it. And if it's not a God, it'll flare out. Just trust God with it. God raised him up in that moment. And as a result, he says, look again in verse 38. So in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men, let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you may be found fighting against God. And so they let them go. And they kept on exhorting. And they kept on sharing. I want you to see what it looks like. Verse 40. Drop down to verse 40. So they took his advice and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them. Well, they had to get a little piece of flesh out of them. And they ordered him not to speak in the name of Jesus as if that had made any impact before, and they released him. And so they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple, and underline the next phrase, from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching. There's your history lesson. There's where it started. That's where it spread all the way to the shores of this land and into your heart because they kept on preaching. They kept on sharing. And it wasn't just in the temple. It wasn't just in religious buildings. They went from house to house to neighborhood to person to person with his story and how it changed their story. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, thank you, Jesus, for entering into human history, for so loving this world that you left your throne in heaven and that you came to this earth taking on flesh and the cross, that you might be the holy sacrifice, the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And Lord, we know the deeds that you accomplished. We know that that unconditional love was demonstrated that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. 
You were buried in a tomb and you rose again from the dead. That you might be the firstborn of many who could be born again and have eternal life. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, many of you have already discovered who Jesus is. His story has changed your story. There's a time in human history, you don't remember maybe the day, but you know there's been a time where you have submitted your unholy life to a holy God. You open the door of your heart and you believe by faith that Jesus was the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And he saved you. And yet I know there has to be somebody in a crowd this size or as many that are viewing online every Sunday morning, even literally around the world. And you may be on a different continent right now, living in a different country, and yet the gospel is coming to you just like it did at the day of Pentecost. Or maybe you're sitting right here in this auditorium, and God is speaking to your heart. If you died right now, do you know that you would spend eternity in the presence of a holy God because you've been wholly forgiven? Or do you need a holy Savior? If that's you, right where you are, you could just pray and call on his name. The Bible says whoever will call on his name, on Jesus' name, the name that they were preaching in Acts chapter 2 and the name that is still preached today, there is no other name in heaven or on earth under which we are saved. The name of Jesus. Dear Jesus, save me. Just pray that. Lord, I need to be saved. I turn from my sin. That's called repentance. And then receive him. I receive you, Lord, into my heart. I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.